Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Well, I understand we had uh, quite the morning around here. So uh, thanks to all of the people that get here super early and put things back together so there are lights and sound. And This is a construction project. I don't know if you know that. It's uh, quite active. Uh, you may have noticed uh, some new construction in the room. I uh, requested a very elevated pulpit. So soon I'll be standing over you, <laughs> preaching down at you. That's not true. Uh, for the time being, this was uh, part of the ADA requirements, and uh, eventually they'll be moved to the back. And, uh, but for now, they're going to come in here. So we'll be working on those for a few weeks here. Uh, hard to believe, but we are uh, just a few weeks from completion on this project. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, we have tentatively scheduled a dedication service for the last Sunday of February, but we expect to be able to be in the building before year end. And so I just want to encourage you to keep praying. Uh, we are coming up on year end, and year end is always a great time to catch up on all the financial things. And uh, I'd love to see us really finish strong this year for the Legacy Project, but also just to uh, to make sure we're current on everything. So be prayerful about that as we come to year end. Be prayerful about all of the things that need to happen, inspections, and everything has to happen in a timely way. We're on a very tight schedule, so uh, everything's going well. Uh, I think you know, just a few weeks ago, everybody doing okay, by the way? I don't know. Uh, it feels like, I think it was the SC game that didn't get over with till almost midnight. Because, uh, let's be honest, how many of you were up late doing that? Yep, yep. And then homecoming, how many of you did all that? Okay. So uh, I've just felt today that there's quite a lot of fatigue in the crowd. Uh, so uh, if you need to nap while I'm speaking, please, don't feel bad. I, I sometimes feel that if you've had a nap while I'm speaking, that that's good for your soul at some level. As you know, a few weeks ago, we took the staff away to prayerfully think about the teaching calendar and schedule, and uh, I was reminded, even though uh, Pastor Rick wasn't with us this year, that uh, Pastor Rick had a tendency, he's probably watching right now, uh, had a tendency to bring to us an idea for a sermon series, and he brought it several years in a row, and we opted not to do it, uh, but I think it's a good idea. And uh, the title of the sermon series he wanted to do was Put yourself in the chair and do the work. And it came out of a conversation basically where we talk about, should we talk about this? Should we talk about this? Uh, how are we feeling led about this? What, uh, 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 and, and at some point we'd be like, you know what? I think mostly people know. I'm just not sure they're doing the work. And so it's a fair question. I think sometimes we're always in the sense of, I need to know more before I can get somewhere. But we know a lot and so we're thinking about focus and where our focus is and how intention, intentional we are about our journey. Uh, 
and about our life and about our daily life and about our thoughts and about how we see life. And it matters. It matters very much. I've shared this before, but I, I love it. In 1971, Clairol came out with a new ad campaign. It was for a new product called Loving Care Hair Lotion. And the caption for the ad was, you're not getting older, you're getting better. Is that your experience? <laughs> I, think, I think we'd have to at least alter it to say, you're not just getting older, hopefully you're getting better. Are you? Is that true of you? That as you get older, you are in very specific ways getting better. Can you mark that? Do you think about it? Do you feel like there is a greater depth in you and a greater maturity in you than, than there was just not that long ago? Paul speaks very directly to the idea in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. Therefore, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, because what is seen is temporary, but on what is unseen, because what is unseen is eternal. In other words, he's saying, where are you placing your focus in a daily sort of walk, in a, in, in a process in which you engage, you get up every morning, you go through some process to get ready, you get out there, you go to work, you come home, you cook food, you do laundry, you clean up. In this process, are you seeing some sort of progress towards a glory that far outweighs all of the temporary issues that are going on? I think for a lot of us, it's easy to become preoccupied with the issues that are going on, with what is happening today, with the hardships, with the worry. And so, where is the focus? Where is your focus? A few years ago, our family had the opportunity to go to Oslo, Norway, and I thought, you know, I should do a little research because I don't really know a lot about Oslo, Norway. And so, I came across a book by a fellow who was from Oslo, Norway. His name was Thor Heyerdahl. And Thor Heyerdahl wrote a book called Kantiki, Trip Across the Pacific. And uh, today, if you go to uh, Oslo, you can go to the Kantiki Museum. And uh, there you will find a giant raft made of balsa wood and uh, balsa logs. Those trees grow in South America. They, in fact, they grow in Peru. And Thor Heyerdahl, in the 1940s, he, he hypothesized that Perhaps the Polynesian islands had been settled by folks from South America. And so to prove the possibility of his theory, he took a crew to Peru, and there they constructed a raft from drawings they had gotten from antiquity. And they, they built this raft out of balsa wood logs that were available, indigenous to the area, and they strapped that raft together, and on April 24th, 1947, they pushed the raft out into the current to see if eventually the currents would carry the raft to Polynesia. On August 7th, 1947, 101 days later, the raft ran onto a reef in French Polynesia, proving the theory that a raft built of indigenous products within, with uh, the kind of technology available in the 17th century that... Somebody could have ventured along that path. Now, that theory has been disproven since then. But if you want to see the raft, it's in the Kantiki Museum. 
There were people that questioned the authenticity of the experiment because on board the raft there was a radio. There were some other modern conveniences that had something to do with navigation so that they were able precisely to to plot their journey and also their place at any given time. But Thor insisted that, no, it didn't, really, it didn't really shade the experiment because all he wanted to prove was that the raft could make it, and it did. Well, it might not have made much difference to the experiment, but it made a big difference to the crew, don't you think? I mean, if theoretically somebody in the 17th century built a raft and pushed it out into the current, not knowing where they were going, or if they were going to land on something else, not at any given moment knowing where they were, that would be kind of depressing, wouldn't it? As opposed to a group of people that knew what was out there and knew at any given moment where they were, kind of had a sense of their own direction of what was happening, knew they were on course, knew they were kind of heading in the right direction. And isn't that a little bit like life? Do you know where you are? Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you're headed? Do you have a sense of it? That's, I think, what begins to stress us out when we don't feel like we understand, when we feel lost, when we feel like we're not making progress, when we feel confused about things, when life's just coming at us on a daily basis and we don't know how to unpack it or sort it or deal with it. And so to stop for just a minute and think about what that looks like for you. Paul, in constructing this letter to Romans, he starts out with this acknowledgement that we're all a mess, that that the Jews are a mess and the Gentiles are a mess. And, and when you see the logo and it says one big mess, I, I want you to emphasize the one. One. Because the book of Romans is about unity. It's about bringing people together. Yeah, we're a big mess, but, but there is something that draws us into a unity. And he starts out by saying, here's one of the things that draws us. Our lostness draws us into it because we share in common our lostness. And then he says, but we share in common our foundness. How God meets that messiness is he meets it with his grace, with the gift of his justification, the the gift of making us new, the, the gift of setting us right, the gift of reconciling us. And so we not only share our lostness, we share our foundness. But it doesn't stop there. God continues to work on us, to develop us, to draw us into deeper relationship. John Wesley talked about this process as love excluding sin. And I I like this illustration because I think it makes some sense. It's kind of simple for me to understand. In in the spiritual journey, what does it mean to be refined? Wesley just said simply, "I, I, I am attempting to love the Lord my God with all my heart. And as my heart, soul, spirit is filled with love for God, it is pushing other things aside. It is displacing other loves. And at some point, as I continue to love God and be drawn towards Him, my other loves are getting displaced until all that is in my heart is a love for God. Are we getting older and better? Are we growing? Are we finding some depth in the journey, some way of relating to life that is growing us more deeply? The Bible has an idea that this process of life is refining us, that we are a precious commodity, and the trials of life serve as the heat and the pressure that refines us. Isaiah writes about it in chapter 1, verse 25. I will thoroughly purge away your dross 
and remove all of your impurities. Mike Gokey writes these words about the refining process. The Bible often uses the imagery of gold being refined as a picture of what God does in our lives. Gold, when extracted from the earth, does not look like gold we find in a jewelry store. In fact, it's not always recognizable due to the impurities that mar its appearance. Yet for the person searching for it, the ugliest lump of coal is of great value, and the potential for beauty is evident. We, as men and women, are similar to those lumps of unrefined gold. The sacrifice of God's Son to reconcile us back to relationship with God shows just how much He values us, even while we are lost and separated from Him. God sees us not full of impurity, but full of potential. He's in the refining imagery. He, in the refining imagery, is the refiner, and we are the lump of unrefined gold, full of impurity and full of potential beauty. Sometimes we expect God simply zaps the junk out of our lives when we enter into relationship with Him, but that's not the refining process. Not for gold and not for us. God loves us too much to leave us as we are because our impure selves cannot reflect clearly all who He is. And our fullest joy is realized in the growing brilliance of our reflection of Him in our lives. The refining process is hot. To refine gold, heat must be applied to force the impurities to the surface. As the impurities rise, they are removed and more heat is applied. This process continues and continues. Heat is applied and reapplied until the gold is pure. The refiner knows the gold is pure when he looks into the gold and sees his clear reflection. The biblical writers take off on this idea. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 3, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Is that true? Are you just getting older or are you getting better? Is there an intentionality? Do you ever set yourself in the chair and do the work? Who am I? Where am I going? What are my issues? Where is my focus? How do I see life? It seems to me it takes a significant amount of energy just to live. Just, just to make it. Just to get through the day. And some of us have enormous pressures. How are you doing? How is it going? How do you focus? How do you know where you are? How do you know where you're headed? What thoughts do you give yourself to achieve a sort of balance in a life that's full of chaos? How do you think of it? Paul now moves towards that in his letter. He tells us that God has redeemed us, that God has invited us. He's taken our mess and he's met it with his grace and his love. And then he moves forward with the thought, Romans six seventeen. But thanks be to God... That though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves <coughs> excuse me, as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. 
But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think there's four things about focus that he wants us to understand. The first one is that there is a changing focus. You used to have allegiance to another way of living and another way of thinking, and that way of living and that way of thinking is what do I want and how do I get it? And when you were in that process, when you were living that lifestyle, how did it go? What was happening? Somewhere along the way, you, you had to confess and admit you were one big mess. And along came the justification of God to deliver you and redeem you and make you whole again. And so now your allegiance isn't to that other way of living because you're so wise. Amen? No. Because you tried it and it didn't work. And sometimes you tried it again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> Until you were finally, yeah, I guess it's not working. I guess this self-indulgence, instant gratification, is, it may be not be the way to go. Maybe it's not the way to go. And in that, you begin to shift your focus, a changing focus, away from that life and that lifestyle into a focus on God and His will and His work. And there was a definite change of focus. I, I know that that's a difficult thing for us to think about. And that's really his second point in the conversation. Not only is there a changing focus moving from the old ways of thinking to the new, but there's a double focus. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations, just as you used to offer yourself as slaves to impurity. And, and, and so he says, listen, I know that even as you've made this shift there's still days when you're flat. In fact, you guys know the next chapter, I do not understand what I do. The things I want to do, I do not do. The things that I want to do, you know, is what I do. Oh, wretched man that I am who will rescue me. Thanks be to God who has given us hope in Jesus Christ. Because we are double-minded, aren't we? And we are double-focused. And, and I think it's a simple question to ask this. Which days are better for you? Days when you're focused over there are days when you're focused over here. Because in some real way, we are struggling every day. And sometimes we need to sit ourselves in the chair and do the work. We're not just getting older, we're getting better. And we won't just get better because it's automatic or it's easy it's not our default setting to just get better. It is our default setting to just get older. I don't know about you, but every night around 9 o'clock, I tend to focus over here and say, what do I want? Anybody else have that thing? Nobody else has that thing. Nobody else here at about bedtime thinks, I want to go in the kitchen and get something. <laughs> People are such hypocrites. <laughs> so you're sitting around, you're watching some TV, and you go, oh, what do I want? I can tell you this, it's never broccoli. <laughs> Not one time at 9 o'clock at night, they go, you know it would be good. 
I'm going to get a hunk of that raw broccoli out of the fridge and just munch on it. <laughs> it's always something, even though I know that is not a good choice. It's not a good choice. Ice cream at 9 o'clock at night is not a good choice. <laughs> this will be the most controversial sermon I've preached in a long time. Because there's something in us that says, you know, I, I keep turning back to things that I know aren't good for me. And I know, and that's just a simple illustration, but don't we do that often? And unless we have some intentionality that says, no, that's not my focus. My focus has got to shift to somewhere else because I've done that. I've been down that road. And that leads us to his third point. And that is, it's an honest focus. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap? It's so important in our culture, in our world, in our journey that we're learning from our mistakes. That we're actually learning. That we're getting smarter and wiser. And we are honest about the consequences of our choices. We live in a culture that kind of says all the choices are equally good. But they're not equally good. Amen? Some are better than others. Better for individuals. Better for communities. Better for culture. Better for society. They're just better. And they're better because they move away from selfishness and self-indulgence and instant gratification into long-term gain. And that's where our focus is. Because we sit ourselves in the chair, we get up in the morning, and we say, I'm not going to do that because that leaves me lonely and worried and disenfranchised. I'm going to do this. I know that God is using the circumstances of my life, and if I will allow it... He will make me deeper and better. But I got to be willing. I got to be willing for this focus to happen. How many of us, that's, I mean, that's the whole argument, isn't it, about a daily devotional life and a prayer life and being in the Word is that we are resetting in the morning so that life is, we're not reacting to life. We have set our focus. We have prioritized what is most important in our thought life and in the, in the journey for us. We've, we've experienced this and we've figured out that this isn't healthy for me. It, it, it's not benefiting. I, I didn't grow because of this. I wasn't better integrated as an individual. I didn't like myself. I wasn't psychologically better. I wasn't healthier over here. I certainly wasn't better in relationships with others. But the more I focus on God and His hope for me and filling my heart with His love as it displaces behaviors that are unhealthy, the more I find that my inner world is better. I'm a more integrated human being, mind, body, soul focused on God. And I'm better in relationship with others. And that leads to the fourth point. It is a healthy focus. Now that you've been set free and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, but the wages of sin is death. This is a healthier choice because overall, it leads you to a place of wholeness, holiness, where you hold things in balance. The holiness of God is an expression that simply means God holds all the virtues in balance. So he could be perfectly just and perfectly merciful because he's holy. He holds them in balance. And we're to do that. We're to practice that in our life, to grow in a healthy way so that we can be people of justice, but also people of mercy in balance with one another. We can hold all the virtues, 
being changed into the image of God. Are we? We are getting older. Are we getting better? Is that true of us? Is that intentional? Have we set ourselves in the chair and done the work? These are things I believe I need to work on. They're definable and noticeable. We can encounter them. We can put them in a journal. We can pray over them. This is where I am. This is where I think God wants me to be. This is the leading. There's some things happening. I'm praying God uses them to refine me, that he sees in me some powerful thing. Sometimes I'll have people say, well, it's just my personality. No, it isn't. It isn't. We are to reflect the image of Christ. That is the personality we are growing into. Well, I'm just honest. Well, you have a kind of honesty. A kind of, you're telling some truth. It may not be the truth, but it is some truth. But it's a pretty easy test. Is this in keeping with who Jesus is? Is this reflecting? Because here's the, here's the real deal. The world needs salt and light. Your family needs salt and light. Your neighbors need salt and light. The community needs salt and light. The nation needs salt and light. The world needs... It needs people who have given up on the selfishness and the instant gratification for the long-term gain of becoming ever changed into the image of Jesus Christ. And we need it. Now, I'll be honest with you. that It's not to say that the church has always represented folks who are being changed into the image of Christ which is part of the backlash we're experiencing in our culture because the church has sometimes espoused things that looked more like this kind of allegiance, just wearing a little more piety than it looks like this kind of allegiance in which we are servants, in which we are gentle, in which we are loving, in which we are kind, in which we are principled, in which we are committed, in which we are growing, in which we are discipling, being changed into the image of Christ. How will you know when you're done? People will just be like, man, guy looks like Jesus. Just talks like Jesus, acts like Jesus. John Wesley used to say, I can conceive that one day my heart will be so full of the love of God it will eliminate all other kinds of sin and I will be perfect. I believe this will happen soon after I die. <laughs> because it's our pursuit. But how often do we get lost? How often do we forget the focus? It takes just about all of our energy to maintain ourselves in the difficult process of life. Amen? So my prayer for you this morning is that the messiness of focus would be the next piece of the journey. Paul says, you are many, but we should be one. The Gentiles are a mess. The Jews are a mess. But God has met our messiness with His grace and love and justification and forgiveness and reconciliation. 
He has connected us together because we share in common our lostness, but we also share in common our foundness. And then we are into a process by which our allegiance to the old life is being left behind, and we are committing to an allegiance to a new life that is changing us into the very image of who Christ is. That's our pursuit. And the promise is that God uses the circumstances of every single day we live to achieve for us a glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen because it's temporary, but on what is unseen because it's eternal. God, would you please allow us some time of self-reflection? Sometimes we just like to pretend we don't know that there's a few more things to learn, one more class, one more sermon, one more Bible study, one more devotional round. But would you challenge us to live into the knowledge we already have? Would you challenge us today to search our hearts, to think in ways that simply admit places where we are living in that double focus. Sometimes when the heat's on, the old person comes out. We express things and say things and do things that really aren't in keeping with who we're becoming. Would you help us to be honest about that? Maybe to sit down this afternoon and in a journal or even on our phone, to just write down a few things that we really believe are a part of what our old allegiance was about. And to pray daily that our focus shifts from those temporary things to eternal things. That we look to you and we long for your work in our hearts and in our lives and minds and spirits and families and world. We woke up yesterday to a world in pain more pain. It would seem that after some time, human beings would learn something from the past, that we would outgrow some of the things that keep our world in chaos. But it doesn't seem like we learn much. May that not be true of us as individuals. May we learn from our journey, from our history, from where we've been and what's happened to us and and the trial and error we've been through. We trust you. We believe that your way is the way of abundant life. And so as we close this service, we invite you to do work in each of our hearts and minds and spirits. And as you do, we're going to give you all praise and honor. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Will you stand as we respond? Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.